from high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Justin Higginbottom. This is your news for Thursday, September 1st. Suwannee Park is a place for Moabites with a range of different hobbies to practice and maybe meet others that are into what they're into. On a Wednesday afternoon, there's a kid's soccer game, parents watching from the goal line, a couple teenagers with a tripod and camera doing I don't really know what, and under the pavilion, there's a handful of locals learning handstands. I put it on just because I was looking for people to practice with and people uh, to learn from and that we could, so we could teach each other and yeah, really just yeah, friends to jam with. That's Quentin Mells and this is his handstand jam. It's the first he's organized. He put up flyers around town for it. You might have seen them at Moonflower or The Mark. Uh, it's funny, it's like something I always wanted to do as a kid, but I never actually like put in the work to learn it. And I think getting into like fitness as an adult kind of like brought me back there. He's been practicing handstands for around a year and he's gotten a lot better, slowly. He says you can learn a lot from finding the discipline to practice something every day. The more challenging, the better. It's the journey of the handstand which counts. I got so much fulfillment out of like working so hard at something that, that was so hard and then finally being able to achieve little goals along the way. Sadie Staley is here to get to the next level of handstand. I've been practicing handstands forever, it feels like, but um, I can never stay up, so I'm trying to figure out how to like make it click, I guess. After some wrist stretches, the handstanders move to practice against pillars under the pavilion. Elliot Brenner is a very good handstander. He's sharing tips with the crowd on things like core strength. You know, I live with my grandparents who are 80s in their 80s and stuff, and I see them, and uh, they kind of inspire me to like do a handstand every day because one day I'll be that age and I won't be able to do that kind of stuff. But one day, not today. Here's Mel's again. Yeah, it's good to just like to play like a kid as an adult and just do and do things that excite us. And he says Moab is a great town to find others with that goal. Keep an eye out for an as-of-yet unplanned World Handstand Championship in town. If it happens, you'll see the flyers. For many, the monsoon season in Colorado's highest peaks means one thing, mushrooms. The late summer rains are filling high-elevation forests with a diverse array of fungi, and mushroom enthusiasts are heading out to get their fill. With a report on the hunt and its meaning for the mushroom community, for Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KOTO's Gavin McGough has more. At an undisclosed location, off the highway somewhere past Trout Lake in the Lizardhead Pass, Art Good Times is headed up into the forest. So we're just going to head in right into that spot there. There's a little creek that runs, if, you, if for some reason you get lost, get come to that drainage and just follow it down. Good Times, a poet from Norwood, is renowned in and around Telluride. Today, he's headed up into these woods in search of mushrooms. Good Times has been mushroom hunting here since coming to Telluride some 40 years ago. And then I was only there a couple months. They had a job opening for a direct, uh, Arts Council director. I applied. It was $5 an hour, so it, was, it wasn't much money. It was only part-time. 
but it was a huge way into the community. It was so cool. Shortly into his tenure with the Arts Council, Art got connected with some mushroom enthusiasts and mycologists from Denver. Soon enough, the Telluride Mushroom Festival began. It's been a Telluride staple ever since. But today, Good Times has brought me out, less to talk about the festival and more to learn the craft of mushroom hunting, which Good Times explains is called foraying. We actually, foraging is really plants and botany. Foraying is a mushroom term. So when we're hunting for mushrooms, we're foraying. And uh, all the mushroom clubs, and the mushroom festival, all the mycological people, they all talk about foraying. Crossing a meadow and climbing up a slope, we approach a forest of spruce and fir. Good Time says that mushrooms emerge and disappear quickly as weather conditions change. Now it's dry here. This is, this is worrisome, so it hasn't monsoon for a couple days. This dries out in a day or two. That's the trouble with mushrooms, that it's uh, very sensitive. Despite the dryness, Good Time soon finds a deep purple mushroom with a creamy white underside covered in delicate papery gills. He suspects it might be edible and performs a quick test. What you do is you take a small bite of the edge of it, just a bit, and keep it in the front of your mouth for 15, 20 seconds to see if it starts to burn. We get no burning sensation, so Good Times unwraps a wax bag and into the pot it goes. I'm not getting a burning, so this to me is Zerampolina. That's what I've heard. There's a lot of Zerampolina up here. Um, Pressing deeper into the forest, Good Times discovers a true treasure, chanterelles. Perhaps the most prized edible in terms of flavor, he explains that they must be carefully cleaned in the field with a brush and a knife. Chanterelle is one of those mushrooms that you never want to wash. It loses its flavor when you wash it. It washes out its water-soluble oils. That's why you, you really need to field clean them. So you can pick other mushrooms and clean them at home, but not with chanterelle. The labor and attention required by chanterelles are part of what is special about foraying, Good Times says. And then when you have the patience to sit there, you have enough time to sing, tell stories. Because like you get into this state where you're just in tune with the world around you and everything is alive. The mushrooms are alive. You know, you talk to everything, you sing, and you're part of it. It's really a powerful energy. After a couple of hours, we have each gathered a small but promising harvest and we make our way back down the slope. On the drive back to Telluride, Good Time says that the festival has come to honor all aspects of mushrooming, from mycological science to art to the good old-fashioned mushroom foray. Where it's more than just a conference, like a maps or scientific, it actually has the arts, has poetry, has music. It's meant to be a whole body experience. And getting out into the woods foraying is like so ancient. Dolores LaChapelle came one year and talked just about how important it was to go back to uh, an activity that is so ancient in our genes, in our, in our tribe, in our people, in our genus. So um, that, that to me is really exciting as well. If you head out on a foray, keep an eye out for Art Good Times. He might be out there singing his song to the forest. I woke up this morning with the sun in my heart shining all day. For KOTO, this is Gavin McGough.
Tribal nations across the country will be receiving additional funding for the Tribal Broadband Connectivity Program put forth by the Department of Commerce. For KSUT Tribal Radio and Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Sarah Flower reports. The National Telecommunications and Information Administration is adding an additional $1 billion to the Tribal Broadband Connectivity Program, bringing the total funding available to almost $2 billion. More than 300 applicants were received during the first application window, showing a significant need for high-speed internet funding throughout Indian Country. Five tribes in New Mexico are currently receiving $146 million in awards. One of those tribes is the Pueblo of Isleta tribe just outside of Albuquerque. Governor of the tribe, Vernon Abita, says they're receiving $26 million to help in part with connecting the tribe to better health care and educational needs. We're grateful about receiving this funding so we can provide this internet access to our tribal members so they can get the education they need so we can go ahead and develop telehealth uh, services for our community members. And this is um, one of the things that we're very appreciative of and that we um, are seeing this important shift within tribal nations and pueblos to have this broadband access within our communities. According to the Biden administration, roughly 470 tribes in 28 states have suggested that they would like to participate in the Digital Equity Planning Grant Program. The purpose of that program is to promote the achievement of digital equity and support digital inclusion on tribal entities. Mitch Landrew is the senior advisor to the president and White House Infrastructure Implementation Coordinator. He says that this funding is going to continue to grow all across Indian country. Additional awards are going to reach tribes in many states. These funds are going to help tribes build broadband infrastructure that deliver high-speed, reliable internet. The awards today are part of a much larger, bolder, concerted effort across the federal government to connect every American, no matter where they are, but including on tribal land. This bipartisan infrastructure law invests an additional $2 billion into the Tribal Broadband Connectivity Program, tripling its funding. Throughout the month of August, Landrew says tribal applicants like tribal governments, schools, and utility companies will receive more than $500 million in grants. The Department of Commerce says they'll be working with tribes in the coming months to submit applications and award funds. Tribes that already submitted applications to the program will not need to reapply. Reporting for KSUT Tribal Radio, I'm Sarah Flower. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, September 1st. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.